Welcome to the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast, a podcast for school and district leaders who want to wake up and be excited to go to work, ensure that teachers are happy, students are joyful, and parents are engaged and make a positive difference in the lives of those they serve. Your host, Dr. Donna Marie Kozine, will share tips, tricks, and proven strategies to increase joy in your staff, students, and yourself. Hello, welcome to... Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. I am Dr. Donna Marie Kozine. I am your host, and I am delighted today to introduce you to my friend, Karen Laurie, who is truly joy incarnate. Karen is passionate about helping people feel amazing so they can live life the way they want it. Karen studied mind-body science at the University of California and then became an actress. Acting, it turns out, was the perfect Petri dish for Karen to put that mind-body science into action. After having done over a thousand hours, whoo, Karen, of television and film, including a longtime role as One Life to Live's Tina Lord, Karen discovered just how much power we have over our own physiologies and lives and put that knowledge into use, helping thousands of people transform pain into pleasure. Karen is also the international best-selling author of three books, Chronic Pleasure, Effortless Enchantment, Chronic Pleasure in Relationships. Karen Works has been endorsed by Deepak Chopra, Bruce Lipton, Gay Hendricks, and many more. Bruce Lipton says Karen Laurie is an antidote to the pain of today's world of personal and global chaos. So I welcome you, Karen, my friend, to my podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it is my joy to be here with you, Donna. And I feel so appreciative of you asking me, inviting me, and just great to see you. Yeah, you too. So those people who have been tuning in, season two is me talking to people I know friends that have made an impact in my life or people I met recently who have really impressed me with what they do. And uh, I definitely wanted to have Karen on my podcast this season because we're talking about joy. So Karen, as you know, my target audience tends to be educators. And with the COVID pandemic and everything, I think it's been difficult for some people to figure out how to continue to have joy in their lives. So can you first tell us about your path to joy? Yes, I had been very sick. And one day I remembered my now ex-husband saying to me uh, when I was falling asleep in the car while we were going to an event that I didn't really want to go to, he yelled at me and he said something like, you always fall asleep when you're not doing something you think is fun or something like that. And I was like, later, years later, when I wasn't traumatized by that, I was like, oh my God, he's right. And um, and then I started thinking, what do I like to do that's fun? And because of that, I started to understand fun, joy, love, appreciation. It started to shift me in such a huge way that I healed from a massive amount of issues. I mean, if you read the list of issues I had, it's just like, it's so long a list. It's ridiculous. And so I healed all those things and the path through it was that place of joy. So I started to either do things that gave me joy, or I started to think about things differently in a way that provided me joy to do the things I didn't want. So for example, I didn't like to cook. It was hard for me to cook, partly because I didn't have any energy, but also just, I didn't know how to cook. And then I just started to remember, not to remember, but sort of remind myself, you know, cooking's really fun. I love to cook. I, I was just making it up what I wanted, but I just started to say it to myself. 
I love to cook. I love to cook healthy, nutritious food that people enjoy. I love to cook for other people. It feels really fun to create food that's innovative. It feels fun to do stuff that I've never eaten before. It feels fun to make everything organic and everything regenerative. Organic farming is if I can. It feels really good to eat food that makes me healthier and makes other people healthier. And now people tell me that I'm the best chef they've ever had. Like they've, like if they eat at my house, they're like, wow, I've never had food this good. And it's consistent. People are saying that. And I'm, I, I, my whole cooking transformed because I transformed my perception of myself as a cook. So, so that's kind of how I found that path. So speaking things into existence. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to say it because our thoughts become things mm-hmm. and our words become things and our actions become things. And so you can use your imagination, like Albert Einstein said, imagination is more empo- more important than knowledge. And that's huge. So the imagination of what do I want to feel like in any given situation or any given circumstance, that's if you practice, you have to practice it and you have to, this is what I learned from acting. That's why when Donna was reading my bio, she said acting became the perfect Petri dish. As an actor, you change consciousness with every character you play. You change a a thought pattern with every character you play. So you have a different personality. You have a different way of being with each character. You still know who you are, but something in you changes the way you think, the way you see things, the way you have relationships, the way you act, everything is different. And so I started to see that when I was embodying a certain character, a positive character or negative character, I watched my my experience in life shift according to who I was playing because I was playing each person. Usually most most shows are at least a week. Sometimes they're two weeks. Sometimes they're six, four years, four and a half years. Sometimes they're six months. Depends on what you're doing. But I really saw how as I shifted my character or the beliefs and became a different character, my experience of the world shifted. And so that's what I mean by speaking something it's not just speaking it into existence, it's acting it into existence so that you, you know, you wear tiaras when you're feeling like you're going to be interviewed about joy or sometimes when you're just working out or whatever <laughs> at the grocery store because it's just goofy and it's fun and playful. And so that's, so it's, it's thinking it into existence, speaking it into existence, behaving. I think of that word behave if you be it, you will have it. Behave is two words, be and have. If you be it, you will have it. And so the being of it is, what does it feel like to be in joy when I'm doing X, Y, Z? And then now I'm going to be in that joy. Even if I'm not doing X, Y, Z, I'm going to find that joy in me. It takes practice, but it's fun. And then yeah. you start to embody it. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to say that it's not an overnight thing. And- One of the things I'd like for you to share with our audience is what you taught me, which I still sometimes struggle with, is framing things in a positive way. So for instance, um, I was actually on your YouTube show and I had said something around something like education is hard. And that statement in and of itself is a negative statement. Or if we get in our minds as leaders and we think that classroom has so many behavior challenges, it's so difficult how do you flip the script, so to speak, in your head to start seeing things less of an obstacle and more of an opportunity? That's such a great question. And 
Part of the thing for me is I have become super aware of when something is negative and when something's positive. So I can, I can perceive it quickly. And that's the first thing. Cause a lot of people will say, Oh, that's a pain in the neck, right? They don't even know they're saying it. So the first is to become aware and to discern whatever you're saying. Be conscious when you're speaking because consciousness, consciousness makes everything better. But the other thing is once you start to see how much power our words have, if you stay, if you start to practice, if you've been someone saying, you know, education is hard and you start to practice talking about education is easy and you do it enough where you think education's easy, it's effortless, it's fun, it's intuitive, it's effortless, it's beautiful, it's connection, it's seeing the children, them seeing me, it's this beautiful respect, it's appreciation, it's it's joy, it's freedom, it's this it's collaboration, it's an understanding, it's aha moments, it's it's both of us, you know, the classroom and the teacher learning things, learning maybe learning how to teach better, but still learning things, right? Or learning the preciousness of one particular child or something like that. So there's all these ways that when you start to have that experience, you realize, wow, I actually can shift things. So now I'll say I have a pleasure in my neck and I do, <laughs> but I won't say the opposite anymore, you know? And when people say the, you know, the, oh, pain, I go, oh, no, pleasure in the neck, pleasure in the neck, you know? <laughs> and so, but it's, it's something like, what is it that, like, it's kind of like um, a negative perception or a negative experience is the seed that can grow the opportunity. So you've planted the seed of what you don't want, but now you want to think about how it's going to manifest, how it's going to grow. And so you want to think about, well, this is the seed, let's say of, um, you know, education being hard. I want to plant it so that as it, as it blooms, it's joyful, it's free, it's fun, it's collaborative, it's healing, it's life affirming, it's creating confidence. It's creating wonder. It's creating an appreciation for learning. It's creating excitement. It's creating that, that excitement of, wow, this is how things work. Whoa, that's so cool. You know, that I, that awe inspiring feeling. So that's the, that's what I want to create. And you, and it's a trick to go, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm experiencing or feeling. And I'm going to switch my perspective to what do I actually want? What do I want? What do I want it to feel like? What do I want it to be like? So that's kind of how you you shift it. And it's a practice and we all get better at it as we keep, as we keep practicing it. I mean, I work, when I work with my clients, a lot of my clients stay with me until they get to that place where they're able to sort of shift themselves in the moment, you know, so that it doesn't take, you know, somebody else saying, Hey, you said this shift it. It doesn't take that after a while. It becomes like, Oh, this is me. I'm having a negative feeling. And like, for me, I, I don't, my, I don't even, my negative feelings don't really register anymore because they're so, I, I flip them so fast, but I've practiced for 12 years. And when my clients stay and they practice and practice and practice in life, they end up becoming really astute. They get discerning and they get that awareness of how to really start to shift stuff. But here's the other thing. Um, and thank you for being such a good listener. You know, a lot of people come in with childhood traumas that occlude the way they can perceive things. So you have to sort of remove the, the traumatic blocks and the trauma can be something, you know, can be severe, but it can be sometimes something as simple as mom and dad yelling while you're in the crib and you have no power 
to stop their fight. And you get this feeling of like, oh, I have no control. And then that no control comes in. It's it's a repetition because that age between in utero up until around six or seven years old, kids are very programmable. We're always programmable, but they're in what's called theta state, which is the state of hypnosis. So they're actually absorbing your energy. They're absorbing your everything you do, everything you say. And so a kid can make assumptions about the world. We all have done this. All, all grownups have grown into this where we've made an assumption about the world that's not actually true. And part of what I like to do is to unhook those, those belief systems and those traumas so that a person can be fully present. And then that ability to discern things becomes super easy because you're present and you're filled with more natural joy. Like I don't have to work at joy anymore. Joy is, if I wake up in the middle of the night, even just to, you know, use the restroom, there's joy. There's no, no issue. So, um, but it does take really removing those subconscious blocks. And I, you know, I got to say, I went to psychiatrists and psychologists for about 30 years and they, they just, I didn't get the help I needed. And um, so I had to find my own way that really worked. And that is uh, more efficient and more efficacious and more, um, you know, just more fun and easy. <laughs> fun and easy. And, you know, fun and easy though. <laughs> fun and easy is what educational leaders need and want. So in that vein, what is something that we could put into our daily practice that would help us begin to shift that paradigm? Well, one thing I do, I, this is just goofy, but it's just simple. And I, um, I have a, a label printer. So this is my glass bottle. Thank you, Voss. And I have written on here, cherished, miraculous powers, spectacular health, brilliant. I mean, you know, whatever I want, that's all I got on this bottle. And I have like five of these bottles because I drink a lot of water and I drink about 10 of them a day. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot of water. Drink water. That's one good thing. But um, but then just see, you know, you pick up your water and you'll see a word you like, or you see something. So that's an easy thing. You can do it on your water. Or you could put it on your computer. Or you can put it on your, you know, your car dashboard, just as long as you drive safely. You know, you can put it someplace or your bathroom mirror and just have some like something positive. You know, you are worthy. You're beautiful. You're special. You're wanted. You belong. You know, whatever would make you feel the best. That's one thing. Another thing that I, I think is important is everybody's different. Some people really like to dance, but I like to dance. Some people really like to wear chairs. Some people like to work. You know, they like what their work is and they like to work. Some people like to watch comedy. Some people like to go for walks in nature. Some people like to pet their dog. Look at where in your life you feel the most joy or comfort or that kind of like, oh, I just love this feeling. Look for places where you feel that. And it can be sex because I, as I was doing that, I was like, yeah, that's true um, for sure. So, um, But you look where you feel those feelings and then you engage in it in a healthy way. If it's something like, if it's something that's not, not healthy for you, then imagine that you find that same good feeling doing something that is healthy for you. For example, like I used to eat a ton of sugar and now I haven't had sugar in 12 years. And I shifted it because I kept saying 
first of all, everybody's so sweet in the world. Now, after a while, I was like, God, everybody's so sweet. I can't even eat sugar. It's too, too gross. You know, it's too heavy compared to the sweetness of life. But I also talked to myself, like you were saying, speaking it into existence. I love eating healthy food that nourishes my body and my brain. I love being healthy. I love having good skin. Uh, sugar makes sure you makes you have more wrinkles. Um, I love uh, I love feeling really good, you know. And I just started to talk about that. I love having great energy. I love that everything I eat serves me, serves my health, serves my body, serves my brain. And after uh, somehow, I didn't even. There was no effort, just sugar fell away. But so that was something I had had a positive experience about sugar, you know, because everybody has that as a kid, you know, oh, it's your birthday. Here's the thing. Oh, you're sad. Here's a cookie. Here's, oh, you're, so there's all this conflation of soothing and celebration with something that's kind of can be toxic if it's too much. I mean, I I haven't had any extra sugar, but I know some people who eat, you know, moderate amounts and that's fine, but that conflation is something that I'm, I happen to, I found a way for me and for my clients to unlock those, those connections between this really happy time or this soothing time so that you can make choices that are free in the present to do it. So that's another thing, but, but looking to see whatever it is you like to do, what's your favorite things to do and either do them or just fantasize about doing them. If for some reason you're like when I was sick, I couldn't do what I love to do, which is dance and acrobatics. But I, I would sit and think, oh, I love doing acrobatics. It feels so good. It feels so good to do handstands on people's hands and on people's heads. It's so fun. I love to dance. I love that salsa music. I love tango. I love the connection. I love following the rhythm. I love the, I love the party that it is. I love dancing outside. I love how the little dogs get so excited and kids run into the group and they get so excited. So I would think about that. And then when I got well... I can now dance and now I dance and I do acrobatics still. And yeah, so it's part of that looking to see. And one more thing that I think is really key is the word, the word appreciate. If you look up the word appreciate in the dictionary, one of the definitions is to raise in value, Mm -hmm. like your house appreciates or your, your company appreciates. Right. And so appreciation, I don't use the word gratitude, even though it's not a bad word. I use appreciation and thankfulness. And the reason I use those words is because that feeling of something raising in value when it appreciates. And what I do is I will spend time appreciating every morning something. Uh, It could be a tree. But if I say I appreciate a tree, I'm not going to say I appreciate a tree and then be done. I love how trees take in our carbon dioxide and they give us oxygen. I love how trees are such great examples of how to survive in adversity. Tree, I have, I live on a hillside. There are trees, the hills like, you know, like this, and there's trees coming out like this and then coming back up towards the sun. And I'm like, you guys are amazing. You're so inspiring. I love trees, how they show persistence. Somebody cut down one of the trees in the neighborhood. So the tree had a, a stump, like, you know, so big, but all the stump now is, is blooming, you know, with more branches that are soon to be something, you know, uh, more of that tree. And then I love how trees communicate under the earth through mushroom connections. Like uh, trees are brilliant. I love how there's mother trees and how the trees, the mother trees know which ones are their babies and they send food to the babies, the baby trees, when there's some need for that. And, And I love how 
trees are provide shade and they provide beauty. And I love the diversity of trees. So that's kind of how, like, if I'm going to, I could go on about trees. I see. (laughs) I love them, but I can go on and on about one thing to such a thing. And if you can see like how I was talking about, I started to get more excited and amazed because they're so amazing. And you know what else is so cool about trees? A tree with its roots looks exactly upside down, looks exactly like our lung system. That is very cool. I just learned a, I learned a bunch of stuff about trees just now, Karen. That was awesome. <laughs> so it really is what it comes down to is mindset, right? And alignment. Emotion set. Okay. Tell me more about, about that as opposed to mindset. I love that you just said that. So we have in our bodies more than one brain. We have neurons in our heart. Neurons are the, are the nerves or the cells in our brain that, that scientists think is the brain. So we have those neurons in our heart. We have it in our belly. We have it in our fascia, which is the connective tissue that goes around our muscles and in our muscles and around our, our nerves and blood vessels and everything. It's in our brain fascia. It's everywhere. And we have a nerve, nervous system, like a ner, ner, neurons in our in our skin. Well, I, I, I should caveat this because I'm listening to a book in French and I'm not fluent in French, but the book is a science book. So I might be wrong. Okay. But the book, from what I'm understanding, this is what I'm understanding. The book is about the, um, the intelligence, the, the, automatic, the intelligence of the autonomic, um, body of a, of a person. And so in that book, they're talking about these different brains and I've, I understand that I know for sure we have a brain in our heart and a brain in our belly. And so what a lot of people do is they're trying to use just their head, but the head, the, the, the heart is the pilot of all the other brains. So I use heartfulness versus mindfulness. I have created a practice. It's in all my books. And at the end of the podcast, I'll share my links so people could get the books for free. They can download them anyway, the digital versions saving trees. But heartfulness, when your heart is full of love and you get that from any of those things that I just said, you know, writing out appreciation, doing something you enjoy or fantasizing or using positive words on your water or whatever you like to drink. When you are in that place of love, your heart will guide your brain. So your brain doesn't have to think. It's a different world. I think it's interesting that you're saying that we have a brain in our heart and a brain in our stomach. I think that's very interesting because when people say, listen to your gut, right? I have that gut feeling like this is a good thing or this isn't a bad thing. You know, like that's very interesting. I never thought of that before. Or, you know, if something's happening, you're anticipating something that's positive, your your heart will, you know, pick up a beat or yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting. So One thing that also is in your books, which I like, is the alphabet exercise. Would you mind sharing that with my audience? Because I really like that exercise. Sure. Yeah, it's a fun game. So it's it's my alphabet game. Um, You can call it an exercise. It probably is, but I find it really fun. So I I think it's a game. But anyway, it's a, um, and I probably called it an exercise in the book or practice or something. I don't know. But um, so I like to take the letter. Uh, I usually start with A, but you could start anywhere in the alphabet. And then you like, uh, the way I play it is I say, I love feeling appreciation. I love feeling um, allowing. I love feeling alive. I love feeling aligned. I love feeling 
uh, anticipation. I love feeling amazing. I love feeling awesome. I love feeling awe-inspired. And you start to find all the positive words. And the reason I like to say I love feeling is because even if you don't feel it yet, as you start to play, you'll that's like a that's like a free way to get to good feelings because you're not you're not saying I am happy or I am appreciative when you're not. But you right. got, but if you're saying I love feeling appreciation, that's kind of an, a softer way to get into it. So you're not trying. You're just kind of I'll get there. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's a really fun game. And I, I and then you when you when you can't think of any more A's and there's so many adroit. I love feeling adroit. I love feeling adept. I love feeling animal. <sighs> I love feeling aroused. I love feeling a- amorous. I love feeling um, um, uh, alluring. There's so many there's so many words and you start to do it. And what happens is, first of all, your your vocabulary increases. But also, as it's a great game to play with kids if they're old enough. And little kids, they'll do things like, I love cartwheels, you know, and you're on the A's and they don't care. And that's fine because I've done it. <laughs> They're so cute. But um, but you do that. And then when you get all the way done with the A's, you start with the B's. You know, I love feeling beautiful. I love feeling bonded. I love feeling uh, brazen. I love feeling blessed. I love feeling like I'm a benefit. I love feeling like I'm, um, I love feeling bouncy. I love feeling buoyant. I love feeling beautific, whatever the words are, right? And you start to go through the whole alphabet. And it's a great, it's great for a road trip because the alphabet, if you play it well, it'll go for a long time. <laughs> All right. It's great. It's great for a dinner. If you're at a dinner where um, I, I have done it with like four people, we were, we all finished dancing and I asked, uh, we were going to lunch afterwards. And I said, do you guys want to play this game? Everybody was from a different country. There was somebody from uh, Malaysia, somebody from Argentina, somebody from uh, France and then me. So we're all different countries and we'd all been dancing and we start to play it. And so sometimes they're saying the words in English, you know, I love feeling appreciation, but sometimes they're saying, you know, j'adore, j'adore l'amour, you know? And so everybody's saying it in their different languages. So we're all like, oh, that's so cool. We're learning, learning language and we're doing it. And I also, because I'm learning French, I will play that game with my friends in French so that I get to learn more French and they'll be saying words and my ear gets more attuned and all that good stuff. So um, so that's a fun way to do it too. It also highlights all the great things that there are. And I think that sometimes when we're in a state of feeling negative, whether it's sadness or frustration, it's so easy for us to think everything's going wrong or you know, little, like little chicken, the, the, the sky is falling. So it's nice because it reminds you of all of the wonderful things that we can still experience as people. And it kind of shifts. I think it really does make the shift. And I, I do like that game. I have, I should play it with my kids. I should do that with my own kids and see what yeah, we do. I bet, yeah. See how they like it. And don't, don't get worried if they go to a different letter. Right. It's, just, it's, it's the feeling, you know, if they're like, you know, I like basketball when you're on cue. Don't worry about it. You know, it's just right. <laughs> let them, let them be free. Cause they don't, they're still, they don't have to be like, it's not about being rigid. It's about finding, it's about finding the creative flow in a, in a different way. But, um, you just said something and now I'm trying to remember what you just said about, oh, when people feel negative, part of the thing that's really hard is people think you have to change from feeling negative to positive right away. You don't. If you feel negative, take a nap. If you feel angry, go buy, you know, those wiffle bats 
buy a wiffle bat and hit a pillow. You don't want to do something that's like where you're hitting somebody else or, or something alive. Don't do anything like that. But find some way, you know, when you have, let's say you get anxious, afraid, or you get um, angry, what those, or if you get triggered, meaning you're, you're not feeling present, you're feeling almost like you're underwater, like you don't know what to do. And that's, there's like a panic. When you're in those places, that's where you're getting into fight or flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do, if you're in the freeze thing, then lie down and take a nap, you know, do something simple. When you wake up, do something that feels good, like write out appreciation or, or dance or go for a walk or something, pet a dog, cat. But if you feel uh, anger or, or um, anxiety, if you feel anxiety, you want to do, that's the fight or flight, right? The flight is anxiety. So you do something that is, feels like running. It could be dancing, could just be running in place for a few minutes. It could be going on a swift walk. It could be skipping. I actually have used skipping when I used to get mad. I'd use skipping and it would just like, you know, I'd get happy right away. Skipping is fun. Um, <laughs> and people laugh at you and then they start doing it with you. And then, then you have like this whole party of skippers. And, and then the, or you get something that you can hit that doesn't hurt your body. That's why the wiffle bat or something like that. It doesn't hurt your things. doesn't hurt a person or a creature, but it is something that you can do. You get a, you know, you can get one of those fight bags that you hit, or you can get a pillow. I just wouldn't hit with your hand too much because it can really mess up your, your hands. But if you have a bath, then you can like choop, choop, and do that. Or you can just like pretend like you're fighting to the air and just imagine you're hitting things just to get it out of your system because the adrenaline and the cortisol, when they get released, they're activated for about 20 minutes. So if you take a nap, if you're in the freeze, take a nap for at least 20 minutes or meditate for 20 minutes. If you're in the fight or flight, go on a 20 minute walk, you know, as long as you can, maybe you're tired. So don't go as much, but do whatever you can. You probably can't hit the wiffle bat for 20 minutes. That's a long time, but you do it as much and you'll use up the adrenaline. The adrenaline is meant to be for fight or flight. It's not meant to sit in you and go around and around and around and around and around. That's why you break it up with first, knowing it's okay to feel negative feelings. Second, taking some kind of physical action that gives you a release or a utilization of the adrenaline and the cortisol. And then the other thing is, you know, practicing when you feel good, like prophylactically, I'm safe to feel anger. I'm safe to feel fear. I'm safe to be triggered. I'm safe to be sad. I'm safe when I'm stressed. And you kind of, you kind of like soothe yourself so that when you do feel it, you're not as, you're not trying to resist it as much. You're just like, okay, I feel this. It's okay. I'll be better soon. You know, and you don't have to rush to it. So that rushing to feel good is kind of like, it's kind of like uh, putting healthy food over something that's not healthy, trying to cover it up. And it's not, doesn't work. It's, it's, it's more listening to your body and paying attention. Awesome. So let me wrap up today with the two questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is, what is your first joyful memory? You know, when you told me you were going to ask that question, so many things came up. But the one that I remembered first was when I was, I don't know how old, very young. Um, we, my parents were at a fair and we were looking at some a baby cow, I guess. And apparently I, I got out of, a, you know, I got, I climbed over the fence or climbed under the fence. I don't know. And then I went and I sat in the hay and I had blonde hair and the cow, mama cow came over and just started licking my head. And I, <laughs> I'm very sensuous, even at, even at that age. And so the cow, you know, she had a big, like, I just remember this, like, 
the tongue, you know, like just, and I was just like, like oh my God, you know, I don't know exactly the thought, but I do remember I just like kind of was like, ah, oh, and fell into the hay. And then my, the farmer came and picked me up and put me, brought me back to my parents. But that was really fun because it was so, it felt so good and everybody was laughing and I could hear them and I didn't care. You know, I was just right. like, you know, I just lying there letting the cat, the cow just like <laughs> lick my, my whole head. <laughs> That's true. How old were you, I think? I don't know, two or three, maybe. I could have even been four, but I don't remember. I don't remember the age and I don't remember much. I don't remember the rest of the fair before or after. I just remember right. that. Right. That right. moment. It's hard to know. So what's your most recent joyful experience? Being here. Oh, <laughs> it has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Seeing you just sharing the love I feel for, you know, everybody, um, you know, just now it's gotten to the place that it's every moment is joyful. Before this, I worked out, um, you know, and I've picked the tiara, you know, <laughs> that I'm wearing because I thought it might go with my necklace. Um, you know, so it's just, yeah, I mean, actually being here, playing the ABC game, I'm so glad you asked that. Talking about trees, I'm so glad you asked that. And and I just want to say, if you're an, an educator and you bring your passion, like my passion for trees or my passion for the ABC game, if you bring that passion, which is joy, put in a direction, uh-huh. you bring it into your into your classroom or into your uh, board meeting or into the group of teachers in the coffee room, you know, you bring that in, people want to learn from you. That's people right. want to, they're attracted and it's, it's exciting and it's fun. And so it makes learning a joyful experience instead of a, I got to do it right. Yeah, that's experience. really a good point for sure. So you mentioned your books. So how would my listeners, I will put it in the notes also, but tell them right now if they're listening, how or watching, how would they get copies of your books? You can go, and I would love it if you do, because they're they're free and they're, they're they make you feel better. To uh, chronic, C-H-R-O-N-I-C, pleasure, P-L-E-A-S-U-R-E, book, singular, B-O-O-K, dot com chronic pleasure book.com and there's three books on there and you can just download all of them or one of them you can choose yeah that's awesome and i have read it and i have done some of the exercises in it so i highly recommend that uh book to my readers and um it has been such a pleasure to see you and your tiara and um to spend some time with you today. And if they go to chronicpleasure.com, is there also a link if they wanted to reach out to you or how would they find you on social media or if they wanted to chat more with you? Um, yeah, if you go to chronicpleasurebook.com, when you, if you download the book, you will, I think you get my email to get the book. So that's right. one thing. You'll get my email. My, the email is also in the back of every book I've written. And um, on social media, I have a hard time because I'm getting uh, like 700 friend requests a day, but you can send oh, well. me a private message. If you send me a friend request, I might not see it just because there's too many. But if you send me a friend request, not a friend request, a message in the messenger of, of Facebook, hopefully I see it because there's a little a little thing that says, um, you know, new message request. And then um, and then I'll be able to respond to you and, and then I can send you the link if you've forgotten it or or connect you up with anything or whatever. Yeah, that'd awesome. be great. And well, my, my social media is Karen Laurie, K-A-R-E-N-L-O-R-R-E. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Karen. And uh, I know that my people will be 
getting your book. So thanks for sharing some tips today on how we can be more joyful. Until next time, always find the joy. See you. This has been another edition of the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and share it with friends and colleagues. If you'd like to join our mailing list, please go to www.joyfuleducationalleadership.com where you can learn more about how you can become the joyful leader you were meant to be. 